Welcome back, fight fans, to the Neutral Corner. This is episode number 178 for the week of July 6, 2019. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. And here is my Boxing Monthly Magazine. I just got it in the mail this weekend. Exclusive. I'm going to open it up right here. I'm not going to show the address, but check that out. Royal Mail from the UK. They ship it to me all the way from over there. Opening it up. Right now, live on YouTube. Let's check it out. The new issue of Boxing Monthly Magazine. Boom. And here's what's cool, man. Now at Boxing Monthly Magazine, we do a British cover for everybody over in the UK. And then we do an American cover for everyone here. But I get the British cover. Boom. So um, I'm probably the only American right now that has the British cover. How cool is that shit? And how cool is it that Boxing Monthly Magazine has two different covers of the magazine every month? So that's a cool collector's item. But on the uh, UK cover this month for the July issue of BM Mag, it's uh, the big boys. The UK big boys. So that's awesome. So um, yeah, guys, make sure you check out Boxing Monthly Magazine over in the UK. One of the best fight mags in the world. But if you're over in the UK, it is mandatory. And if you're over here in the US of A, you can still subscribe. You can get the actual physical hard copy of the magazine. Or you can get the app and do it that way. All right. So uh, before we get into news and notes and we talk about some more WBC craziness, just want to remind you guys, we got Super Chat here on the channel. We've got Patreon. We got t-shirts, right? So check all that out if you want to contribute and support the show, the channel, even if you just look at it kind of as tipping the show. Hey, man, good job. I love what you're doing. Here's a couple bucks. Boom. We use all of that for the show. In fact, I'm talking to you guys. I got a new lav mic here. If the audio sounds better here on the YouTube video, it's because we bought a brand new mic that was a few hundred bucks that's specifically made for live videos uh, with the iPhone. So, uh, yeah, the audio should sound awesome. And the cool thing about this setup with this mic and everything is that I can plug in multiple mics into this. I have an adapter. So next time I do live interviews uh, from ringside with fighters, with other guys in the media, whoever, I can plug in a mic real quick for them and we can both do uh, interviews and the audio will sound awesome, like right there live. Also, um, Installing some soundproof stuff. I think uh, I tweeted out some pictures and stuff this weekend of some soundproof boards that I'm building. So the Echo, it's still a little bit here in this room, but um, it's getting better, right? So every dime we get, I'm telling you guys, we reinvest it back into the channel. That's what we do here. But uh, let's get into it. Oh, before I get started, smash the like button. Smash it. All right. Smash the damn like button. We only got nine likes right now. And I know that there's dozens of you already on. There's going to be hundreds of you on here in a minute. Hit the damn like button. Okay. It's the least you can do. For those of you listening on the audio podcast, give us a like, give us a review, something. Spread the word. Get it out there. Right. We provide this for you guys on a holiday week when all the other shows are on hiatus. We're sitting here providing material for you guys. Go ahead and get that. Smash that like button. And spread word about the show, all right? If you can't contribute financially, totally understand. But there's other things you can do, right? All right, news and notes. And I'm just going to jump right into this bullshit. WBC franchise champion. Now, you have to be the most hardcore of hardcore fans to keep up with all the sanctioning body bullshit. And now you've got ESPN 
trying to promote Tyson Fury, talking about the lineal championship. No one else has ever really promoted the lineal championship of anything. Now they're doing that. So now casual fans are being bombarded with four sanctioning body belts, right? And then they have different versions of titles, regular titles, interim, gold, silver, diamond, dog shit, all these other damn versions of the title. Now the WBC wants to do franchise champion, quote unquote unquote, I'm doing crazy air quotes here, because basically they did this for Canelo, but they're going to probably down the line do it for other champions who either do weight jumping or... um, They don't want them to be bogged down with mandatories. They want the big fights, the big sanctioning fees. So, hey, man, instead of having Canelo Alvarez, let's say, have a mandatory. Tommy Boseo just said probably Wilder. Absolutely Deontay Wilder will eventually be the the franchise champ. Also because, as quickly, just quick tangent as it relates to Wilder, because Mauricio Suleiman wants some of that Andy Ruiz money. You know what I'm saying? So win, lose, or draw against Anthony Joshua in their rematch, I can guarantee you as soon as they elevate Deontay Wilder up to the WBC franchise champion, they're going to move Andy Ruiz's ass right up into that mandatory spot to try to get him a a crack at the WBC regular title because he's Mexican-American and the WBC, they want some of that. Them dollars, very, very deep political roots. Of course, they're headquartered in Mexico. So you guys know where I'm going with that. But not just them. It could be Lomachenko. It could be any of these guys. So they're basically following what the WBA did with their quote-unquote super champion. What I find amazing about this shit is there are fans out there who buy into this craziness. And like, let's say Triple G haters, which I'll get into later on in this episode as well, who want to um, just totally disregard all those title defenses he had of the WBA title because it was the quote-unquote regular title. It wasn't the real title. The super champion was, I believe, Felix Sturm. Never mind that Felix Sturm ducked Golovkin shamelessly. And they were promoted. They were in the same jurisdiction. They are both in Germany. I don't know if they were the same promoter, uh, but the promoters allowed it to happen. The commission allowed it to happen. And the sanctioning organization allowed it to happen. And fans use that as means to either build up the fighters they like or tear down the fighters they hate. And now the WBC is just giving you more reason. So Canelo Alvarez, it looks like he's going to turn into one of these guys that just bounces around and does a fight at this weight class, at that weight class, this weight class, that weight class. And screw having a mandatory. Because if you want to bounce from 60 to 68 to 75 maybe... If you got a guy at 60 that you're supposed to fight, like Jamal Charlo, man, that ruins those plans. And the WBC would rather get a sanctioning fee from Charlo, and they do a lot of business with his advisor, Al Heyman, premier boxing champions, right? They do a lot of business with Uncle Al. They'd rather keep that sanctioning fee coming in, but also be tied to what Canelo's doing. Because Canelo's told them to go get lost with their belt before, right? So to stay on board with the superstar fighters... The guys who, let's say, defy weight class, quote-unquote, they're going to give them this franchise belt. It's insanity. Why have mandatories? Why have titles? Why have title defenses if you're just going to change the rules for certain guys because they're super champions? It just doesn't make any freaking sense. Anyway, um, 
I, just the WBC, I don't mean to beat up on them solely. They're not the only one. All the sanctioned organizations pull stupidity at one point or another. But the WBA, I used to say, was the worst. The BC is real close. I give the BC more credit than the BA because the BC actually has some drug testing. And I've been at some of the little camps that they do in, in certain cities. Um, Ozzie says, big up IBF. Yeah, the IBF more than any other organization follows their rules, follows their rules. But some of their rules are stupid. Anyway, with the BC, I've been at some of the little uh, amateur cards that they've put on and sponsored. I know that they've sponsored uh, Masters Division Fighting here in Atlanta at the gym that I was working out at with the coach I was working with. He had a tournament and they sponsored that. They've sponsored... Uh, like junior Olympic stuff and, and not even junior Olympic, not even that level, just little tournaments with kids and stuff like that. I like that sort of community work that they do, but come on, man. I, this stuff is just, you can't defend it. And what annoys me is particularly with the Southern California, Los Angeles area media, especially the amateur media around there. Um, they really kiss the WBC's ass. There's a lot of political engagement there and there are certain people that i love they're friends of mine we can go out and crack a beer and i've told them to their face i hate the way you guys kiss the wbc's ass that should annoy the hell out of me but they continue to do it chris bergen with the super chat pledge thank you so much chris he asks think canelo versus callum smith happens who wins chris it's a possibility but not next Look, I, I didn't think there was any possibility of Canelo Alvarez and Sergey Kovalev, but apparently it is a very real possibility. And I think that Team Canelo would rather go that route first against Kovalev because I think Kovalev is more, is, is more winnable for them style-wise than Callum Smith. And they'd rather build up the Callum Smith fight a little bit longer. You go after Kovalev right now, you could sell it as, and I'm going to use air quotes for the hundredth time in this video, another title in another weight class, right? Because that's what all these guys want to do now. Uh, Roy Jones Jr., Oscar De La Hoya, Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather, those kinds of guys fought at 8,000 different weights and won a bunch of titles. Very few of them planted their flag and cleaned out one division. But um, I, I guess Pacquiao did more than any, uh, any of the rest. But... Um, it's not about doing that anymore. It's about bouncing around with these selective fights and getting like, you know, a title here and a title there because you can market yourself as a multi-division champion. Right now, Sergey Kovalev is seen by many as the best light heavyweight in the world. He just had a great win over Eladio Alvarez. And he's supposed to fight Anthony Yard next, but uh, it's a WBO mandatory, I do believe. And because I just talked about the sanctioning bodies changing their rules, they're good, they would allow... Anthony Yard to take some step aside cash so that Canelo and Kovalev could fight next. And just with the WBC's announcement of the franchise champion and everything else, it seems to coincide with the fact that Canelo's people really are talking seriously at Kovalev right now. So if it ain't Triple G next, which I still think there's a possibility, it's going to be Kovalev before Smith. Now, to get to your question, Chris, I'm sorry it's a long answer here, but Callum Smith and Canelo Alvarez, I think, could happen next year, possibly next year. And I think that would have to happen in London because it'd be huge over there. Although, don't be surprised if they drag all the UK folks over here to Vegas because people over in the UK love to come to Vegas. 
There's some whales in London that would come over and spend a ton of money and Golden Boy would like to cash out as much as they could. Maybe they bring that fight to Vegas. But I do think it does happen eventually. Uh, Right now at the moment, I'm going to piss you off and favor Canelo. I'm going to favor Canelo because he's just faced the better opposition. He's just more proven. And just style-wise, I do think Smith will have real moments. And it'll be very, very competitive, especially with his height and his range. But I do think Canelo can get inside and work the body and slow him down and have big moments late in that fight. So I favor Canelo to beat Kovalev easier than a lot of people think. And it's not because I dismiss Kovalev. I think Kovalev is very good. I'm just talking in terms of styles and where they are at in their careers. Kovalev's tailor-made for Canelo and what he's doing right now. If that fight's three years ago, Kovalev murks Canelo, just absolutely obliterates him. But right now, I favor Canelo, and I favor Canelo by knockout. And then against Smith, you build that up a little bit more. You get him talking about Callum Smith, and then maybe you could get the UK fans to travel, or maybe Canelo can go over to the UK. So I think they're going to build that as the next big one. Um, Okay, I did a poll on Twitter. I did a couple of polls. Joel says I'm crazy in the chat. Joel, I'm going to have to say, why am I crazy? Oh, Joel said, Joel's asking me, is Kovalev versus Yard officially off? No, it's not officially off. It's still being negotiated, and it's still possible for September in Russia. However, um, there is a possibility that they could pay Yard and his people step-aside money to do the fight between Canelo and Kovalev. And DAZN would like that fight because it's a big fight. I don't think it's as big as Canelo Triple G3, but it's still a big fight. And as long as there's some sort of agreement to fight uh, uh, Golovkin early next year, the rubber match next year, well, then maybe, um, maybe that happens. Anyway, I want to talk about this poll real quick, guys. I asked a question. I was kind of trolling, but kind of serious. You know, at some point, I, I really think it, it, it amazes me. I look more and more and more at these boxing sites. Premier boxing champions, and I'm not going to just beat up on them. They're not the only ones that do it. ESPN does it. Uh, all, every platform does it, okay? But I noticed on their site, there are certain guys writing for PBC on PBC's site. Like PBC's site is a news site. But these are guys with the uh, Amer- Boxing Writers Association of America, journalists, quote-unquote, that have been, I won't even quote, quote unquote, they're real journalists, they've written articles in reputable publications that are writing for PBC about PBC fighters. And I saw an article about uh, Jamal Charlo on PBC site written by a guy who's in the BWAA, which is, doesn't really mean anything anymore, anybody can get in. But still, I just thought that's such a conflict of interest, man. It's why I think eventually. Probably the WBC, but one of these sanctioned organizations is going to start giving titles to writers or media people, whether they be commentators, you know, guys who call the fights, promoters. I'm serious. I think they're going to, they're going to take it to that level. They're going, to, they're going to start giving titles, the journalist of the year title to writer X, the promoter of the year title to promoter Z. They're going to start doing that. And so I did a poll on, um, on my Twitter, you know, which organization would do that first? Over 400 of you have voted. 64% of you agreed with me and said the WBC. 23% of you said the WBA. But I'm telling you guys, in the next 10, 20 years, that's coming. 
Don't be surprised if the WBC starts awarding writers with titles. I'm telling you, I can see it happening one day. And that conflict of interest I was just talking about, it's just going to expand. It's going to be like on steroids when that happens, but it's going to happen. I also did another poll on um, Rockstar1996. says, Montero YouTuber heavyweight title. (laughs) Cruiserweight. I'm a cruiserweight. Uh, Anyway. I did another poll. Okay, if Canelo does not fight Triple G in September and they go a different direction, and let's, let, me, let me make this clear from what I do know about both camps, and I'm pretty familiar with both camps. I've done a lot of writing and interviews with people in both sides of that equation, okay? The Canelo people hate Gennady Golovkin, hate him. They do not like, they really hated Abel Sanchez. They really hated him. But they do not like Gennady Golovkin. And I think that part of this whole play is, you know what? We don't want to do, we don't want to break bread with this guy again. We got the official W in the second fight. That's all we need. Let him fight someone else and get beat up some more. If there's no other options, we'll do a third fight with him next year. But we're going a different direction. Screw him and him. Because remember, Golovkin went off the rails and talked about steroids. And he didn't just diss Canelo. He dissed Oscar De La Hoya, right? And who is Canelo's promoter? Do the math here, guys. So they're having meetings behind closed doors. They don't need Golovkin. In a way, Golovkin kind of needs Canelo. A lot more than the other way around. Golovkin has options, but not as many as Canelo. So a lot of this is political, and it's them basically just wanting to screw Golovkin over a little bit. It's their prerogative. They don't have to fight Golovkin a third time. But anyway, my poll, if they go a different direction, who do you want to see Golovkin fight next? Over 800 of you voted. 47% of you want him to fight Demetrius Andrade. 40% of you want him to fight Jermall Charlo. Now, I noticed it was pretty even. It was like 40% each before Saturday. I, t- I, think, I think I put that poll up like Friday morning or something. Uh, and then it, it changed in Andre's favor after the fight Saturday. So Andre's performance definitely impressed more people than Charlo's. But it's pretty even. And people have, are starting to be really, really clear. They want to see Golovkin fight one of those guys. And they're cool with Canelo going in a different direction. There's really no backlash for uh, Canelo exploring other options. He's not really getting bashed on Twitter. The one who's taking the heat is Golovkin. So uh, it's interesting the way this is all panning out. Okay, a couple other quick things, and then we'll get into the review. Actually, I'll get to some of your questions here in a second, guys. But a couple of fights coming together. Virgil Ortiz versus Antonio Orozco. Uh, August 10th in Texas on the zone. I believe it's agreed to in principle, but not official. Actually, it might be official by now. But uh, right here behind me, boom, um, last month's issue of Ring Magazine, I did a, an article on Virgil Ortiz uh, talk with him uh, a few weeks back. Super cool kid. I think this is an awesome test for him. And I'm telling you, man, if he passes this test, the way he passed the last one against Mauricio Herrera, watch out for this kid. All right? He might be the next big thing. Also, Juan Francisco Estrada signs with Eddie Hearn. I think that's a good signing. I think that uh, with Hearn, he will earn and he will uh, start to get some of those high-profile fights. He's already been in a few in recent years, but he deserves more. He's one of the finest operators in the sport, top 10 fighter pound for pound. And it'd be cool to see him go over to London and fight over in the UK. I think it'd be awesome 
to see uh, Estrada over there in the UK. Also, Lomachenko versus Luke Campbell is going to happen August 31st in London. I think that's a great fight and uh, another title win probably for Lomachenko. All right, so um, Gail Falkenthal says Ortiz versus Orozco is official. Media lunch tomorrow in LA. That's right, damn it. That's right, Gail. I got that email. I still get those emails, uh, even though I'm not in LA. That's right. I saw that this morning. Well, I think I saw it a couple days ago, actually. But yeah, so I love that test for Virgil Ortiz, man. I think that's awesome. John Uden asks, how much would a fighter have to be over at weigh-ins before the commission says it's pointless to attempt to cut? John, I think that probably depends on the commission and everything else and the fighters involved. Um, there's some commissions where, hell, you could probably be 20 pounds over, but the commission would look at the opponent and say, hey, are you cool with this? You want to do some money, a fine, whatever. And then there's other commissions that have a weight limit. I know California has pretty strict rules with that stuff. I think they do a pretty good job. Um, Rockstar 1996, will there be any rehydration clauses for Kovalev against Canelo? If so, I don't want to see it. Uh, I doubt it. I seriously doubt it because uh, Canelo is going to want to swell up as much as he can. And let's face it, Canelo has all of the bargaining power there. Kovalev has none. I get it. Kovalev has a title at 175. But guys, I think a lot of you overrate these title belts. The A++ side on that is Canelo. And he's bringing all the money. And Kovalev, who got shit out of uh, what he should have got paid against Andre Ward a couple times... He's going to make up for that in this cash out against Canelo Alvarez. So he's going to make career life-changing money against Canelo. And part of that's going to be Canelo's going to get whatever the fuck he wants. And that's just what it is. They're going to go right back to Vegas where Kovalev got screwed more than once. But he's going to get paid for it. I see a pattern here with Eastern European fighters taking the money and doing the deal with the devil against Canelo recently. It is what it is. Uh, Vincent Cummings, what's up, Vin? He says, uh, Canelo Kovalev is easy pickings for Canelo. Kovalev is 36 and down the middle, 1-2, 1-2-1 fighter. That's Canelo. What's, what's Canelo best at? Slipping and countering to the body. Where's Kovalev soft to the body? Easy work. I, yeah, Vince, I see this exact same thing. It's the first thing I said. I'm actually not that interested in that fight. I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, he's going up two weight classes. But guys, this is not Mikey Garcia and Errol Spence. It is not. Okay, um, I, I honestly think Canelo, just from a boxing perspective, just in terms of styles, is going to look much better against Sergey Kovalev than Andre Ward looked. Much better. Not just better, but much better. Seriously. Styles make fights, and they see something there. There's a reason they're going after him. Let's see. What else? What else? Prime TV asks if Tiffany Lamb is related to Jenny Suchet. No, she's not. And if she's did, if she was, boy, we'd be ashamed. Um, let's see. Tommy Boseo says, Callum Smith apparently received an offer from Billy Joe Saunders' team. Your thoughts? Yeah, I saw that. Look, man, anything from Billy Joe Saunders and his team, take it with a grain of salt, okay? If that fight did happen, if Callum Smith and Billy Joe Saunders fought, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Right now, they're in the same weight class and they both have titles. Do I think it will happen? It's hard for me to trust and believe anything Billy Joe Saunders says. What network was Saunders' last fight on? Where does Callum Smith fight? So stop it right there. I just don't see that happening. And I think for, 
I, I think that Billy Joe Saunders has made, a, I don't want to say a career, but a lifestyle out of calling out fighters he can't possibly fight. He's not the only one who does it. A lot of people do it, but he does it. Okay. Rockstar1996 asks, what's Mikey been up to lately? Is he still fishing for the best deal or is he going to fight Danny Garcia? So he was at the fights uh, last Friday in uh, Temecula, the, the Kome Beltron card. And uh, one of his stablemates was fighting on the undercard and he was there talking and doing interviews. And I trolled a little bit on Twitter and a lot of people got butt hurt because for some reason you're just not allowed to criticize Mikey Garcia. It's sacrilegious to criticize Mikey Garcia, especially in the Southern California slash Los Angeles area boxing community. Just not allowed. I don't know why. But anyway, um, so he was originally going to fight Danny Garcia, right? And that's what they were talking about. There was so much backlash on social media. I think PBC has backed off. I think they use their, all promoters do this. Ducky Garcia, Tommy Boseo says, yeah, I had to uh, delete that Ducky Garcia tweet I made. I made a tweet about Ducky Garcia and a few people reported it and tried to get my Twitter account shut down. They reported it as hate speech and all insanity. So I had to delete that damn tweet. That's why I deleted it. Crazy the way Twitter works. But, you know, they'll ban, they'll ban people for stupidness, like idiocy like that. But they'll let killers like O.J. Simpson have a brand new Twitter account. I, I don't know how. Bill Cosby, the greatest serial rapist of, of all time, has a Twitter account right now. Go figure. Antifa, you can have Twitter accounts on there and, you know, assault journalists and stuff. It's okay. But I get reported for saying Ducky Garcia. Interesting. Anyway, um, yeah. Do I think he's going to fight Danny Garcia? I don't know, man. I don't think so. Because um, where I was going with this, promoters will use their allies in the media to report on a fight that's close to getting signed, quote unquote, and they'll see what the reaction is. And trust me, they're looking at all this shit. They're looking at it. And when they see that the reaction is really, really negative, they pull back on some of that stuff. So I think that you know, Mikey Garcia wants pay-per-view type money. He ain't going to get it against Danny Garcia. That fight, you can't go pay-per-view with that. Oh, Captain Hook Chronicles out of Canada. Thank you so much for the Super Chat pledge, brother. He says, on July 13th, four of the next heavyweight generation fight... Yoka, Dubois, Gorman, Joyce, who will be the first to win a big, big fight? I'm going to talk about that later. But yeah, that's, that's a nice card coming up next, next weekend. I think that is, let me see, let me check my notes. That is on ESPN Plus. Yes, ESPN Plus. Great test for Joe Joyce fighting Bryant Jennings. I think that's a great, great test. And then Dubois versus Gorman. I think that's an interesting crossroads fight between two uh, prospects. My favorite pick out of that four that you mentioned, Captain Hook Chronicles, is Daniel Dubois. I know a lot of people disagree with me on this, but I think there's a lot of upside. And he would be, if I was investing in a stock out of those four companies, let's say, those four startup companies, I would invest in Daniel Dubois incorporated stock before the other three. That's where I'd put my money. I just think that there's potential there and he's lined up with the right people. I think he will get by Gorman. Okay, so enough questions for right now. Let's, Azier says, Mike, don't forget about Yoka. You know, I, yeah, okay. 
but I still need to see more from him. I'm just, I don't see as much upside. He's older. How old is Joke? He's got to be around 30, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but he's older. Dubois is so young that if they really take their time and develop him the right way, I just think there's a lot of upside there. I just see the upside there. I see some of the raw power. Yoka 26, says Azier. Okay, so he's still young too. Heavyweights age a lot uh, slower, a lot later. But um, I, I just think that there's, for me, Yoka versus Dubois, I think there's more upside if he is who we think he is, if he can catch. We know he can punch, but can he catch? If Dubois can catch... He's got some real upside there. I see a few of you guys saying, uh, Yoka, yeah, he's in his mid-late 20s. He's still young. I got you. I just see more upside with Dubois. I just do. Uh, okay, let's, let's do a quick review here. We had a lot of fights last weekend. We actually have a lot of fights coming up here. And if I didn't mention it earlier, guys, um, I'm doing a two-week review here because we're not going to have a show next week. Okay, we're not going to have a show next week. I'm doing a show this week on the holiday week because most shows are on hiatus this week. So I wanted to give you guys some some uh, material. Um, Oh, Rockstar1996 has got to like Hergovich, though. I do. I do. Interesting prospect. So definitely keep my eye on him. But uh, anyway, guys, yeah, so we're not going to go next week. So we're going to go two weeks of uh, previews this week. But anyway, let's quickly look at the review. Friday, June 28th, Pachanga Resort in Tobecula, California at ESPN. Uh, Let's go to the undercard. Junior Fa gets a unanimous decision win over Dominic Gwynn, but he was dropped in the fourth round. Uh, 44-year-old Dominic Gwynn was able to drop Junior Fa, who remains undefeated, the 6'5 New Zealander. But I just don't see anything here. I just don't see anything there. If 44-year-old Dominic Gwynn is having moments against you, yeah. It's just there's, there's nothing there. So big dude, undefeated, will be used at some point. He will get a title shot at some point just because he's a 6'5", undefeated guy, big dude from New Zealand who can punch a little bit. He'll be used at some point for, as a title defense, but I don't see anything there. Also, uh, Mexican, Miguel Angel Gonzalez scored a KO3 win over Saul Rodriguez, an American fighter out of Riverside who was supposed to win this fight. Undefeated prospect was, you know, came in, uh, was supposed to get the W here. So this was a minor upset, especially the way it played out. Um, Rodriguez down in the first round and in the third round before being stopped. In the co-main, Carlos Adamas scores a unanimous decision win over Patrick Day in a 10-round junior middleweight fight. So Adamas is now 18-0. Dominican Republic native now lives in New York. I just don't see anything out of Adamas. I just, I just don't. Carlos Adamas just... I, he's not going to win titles. Maybe on a given night against the right person, he could grab a title, but I just don't see an elite-level fighter there. I'm just not excited about him. I think when he steps up to the elite, he's going to have trouble. In the main event, Richard Comey scores a KO8 win over Ray Beltron. And um, let's see, he drops Beltron twice in the first, once in the fifth, once in the eighth. Ref finally stops it. Beltron couldn't make weight for this fight. It's over. For Ray Beltran. Time to hang him up, dude. You've made some good money. You've carved out a really good career for yourself. Uh, Yeah, time to hang him up. But uh, for Komei, really looked kind of bad in this fight. And I know he was coming off an injury. But every time he got Beltran hurt, he'd rush in. He'd bunch up his work. uh, He'd be way too close in range. He needed to back off, go upstairs and downstairs more, uh, switch it up. But, man, he he really, really does not know how to finish well. And he telegraphs a lot of punches. 
And again, there was some ring rust there coming off an injury. But Tiafimo Lopez is a fight coming up. If he wins that fight, he's going to go up against uh, he's going to go up against uh, Komi next after that. So I think he will. He's fighting a Japanese guy. He's going to win that fight. He's going to fight Komi. And I actually think Tiafimo Lopez is going to knock out Richard Komi when they fight. Just based on what I've seen. He's just going to get knocked out by Lopez. That's just what's going to happen. And we're going to get Lomachenko-Lopez early next year. That's one of the best fights that can be made in boxing. Maybe the best fight in the lower weight classes right now. Saturday, June 29th at the NRG Arena in Houston. Uh, 6,400 or so, the announced attendance. Who knows if that's the real number, but that's the number that was reported. About 6,400. PBC on Showtime. Jermall Charlo scores a unanimous decision win over Brandon Adams. Suffers a left-hand injury. He thinks it was the second round. First defense of his full WBC middleweight title. And I want to quickly get into some double standards here. I talked about this a little bit uh, the past week or so. Brandon Adams, really, he's really a junior middleweight. He won the Contender Series uh, finale last year. I think that was season five of the Contender. That's how he worked his way into this fight. He was being explored as an option for Gennady Golovkin's first fight on the zone. But... Um, Adams did not like the financial offer from Golovkin's people. The PBC people offered him more money. That's why he went with Charlo. And it probably gave him some some money under the table and some of the Uncle Al stuff that they do. So that's why he went that route. But when Triple G was exploring him as an opponent, Twitter went nuts. There were YouTube videos. There were people bashing the shit out of um, Triple G before it was even signed. They were just exploring it. Then when he signed to fight Charlo, oh, that's cool. Nothing. Not only that, but a guy that a lot of people thought Triple G would steamroll over, and that's why they didn't want to see Adams fight Triple G. Basically, I thought it looked like Triple G's fight against Steve Rolls. Goes the distance with Jamal Charlo. Now, I know Charlo hurt his left hand, but these people that were bashing Triple G for possibly going to fight Adams... They made it sound like one hand is all you need to beat this guy, right? He goes the distance with Charlo, not a peep, not a peep. And I looked on PBC's website, some of the articles written about it, some of the headlines made it sound like this was an amazing, exciting, thrilling affair. It was a workmanlike performance from Charlo, dominated the fight, got the W, but it wasn't scintillating, amazing stuff. And... Triple G, people bashed the shit out of him for fighting Steve Rolls. Canelo, people bashed the shit out of him for fighting Rocky Fielding. People bashed the shit out of Deontay Wilder for fighting Dominic Brazil. Tyson Fury for fighting Tom Schwartz. What did those guys do with their opponents? They crushed them. What did Charlo do with his opponent? He played with his food. Now look, everyone has an off night, but I'm seeing a pattern here. Matvey Korobov. Good quality fighter. Good quality fighter, right? And a lot of people felt Korobov beat Charlo. I'm not, necess- I'm not necessarily one of those people. I thought that was a close fight. Could have won either way. I thought Charlo, Charlo eked it out. But, dude, you're playing with your food. If you're this force to be reckoned with, if you're this elite level fighter, there are people that are in PBC's, I'm not going to say pocket, but their political sphere who report for mainstream publications who are putting the Charlos on their pound-for-pound list, right? And I don't see it. I just don't see it. 
just time and time again, dude, like you should be steamrolling these guys if you're the next big thing, hurt hand or not. So, and even if you go all 12, that's fine. I just find the double standards really annoying. And for whatever, look, man, if Rocky Fielding went 12 rounds with Canelo Alvarez, the Canelo Alvarez haters would be bashing the shit out of him. If Steve Rolls went the distance with Golovkin, could you imagine? If Tom Schwartz went the distance with Fury, if Dominic Brazil went the distance with Wilder, I could keep going here. Hell, if, uh, God, uh, Krola, if Krola went the distance with Lomachenko, there you go. I could keep on going, keep on going. Adams goes the distance with Charlo. Awesome performance. Awesome performance. And he's a, an elite level A-lister fighter now because he puts 6,400 butts in the seats in his hometown. Look, I'm not trying to diminish that. That's important. He should fight in Houston more. Those numbers should be twice that. Charlo should be putting 12,000 seats or you know, 12,000 butts in seats in Houston. So start building that up. That's what should be happening. But dude, you're not at the level. He calls out Canelo. He calls out Golovkin. These guys are selling on arenas coast to coast. Golovkin has sold out New York. He sold out Los Angeles. He sold out Vegas. He's sold out. He's helped sell out London. But was it, did he fight Brooke in London, guys? Or was it Sheffield? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember. But I, that was a sellout, him and, him and Brooke. And Canelo, the same thing. Canelo has sold, done huge. How, much, how many fans did Canelo do in Dallas, in Houston? Massive, massive crowds, right? Uh, I just think that, again, 6,400 in your hometown, that's a good start, dude. But you're not on that level yet. You got to work to get it. You got to work your way up. Anyway, also on this card, Erickson Lubin, TKO4 against a baguette maker from France. Uh, somehow this was a junior middleweight title eliminator with guess who, the WBC, because again, Uncle Al, Mauricio, they're buddies. Claudio Marrero, Dominican fighter, scores a unanimous decision win over Eduardo Ramirez, a Mexican fighter. That was a WBA featherweight eliminator that had to piss off the fans there in Houston who no doubt were going for Ramirez. And then Dunkin' Donuts Sutter up in Providence, Rhode Island, over 7,000 in attendance there. Again, that's what was reported. In the main event, Demetrius Andrade scores a unanimous decision win over Maciek Sulecki, second defense of his WBO middleweight title. So, uh, Sulecki, I talked about him before. 12 hard rounds with Jacobs in 2018. Uh, 12 hard rounds with Gabe Rosado in March. Dropped twice in that fight. Was dropped early in this fight. Tough guy, but he's been beat up a little bit. So, uh, roughed up a little bit. And he's a good test. He's almost like a gatekeeper level opponent at 160. Is he a top 10? Maybe. Maybe lower top 10 middleweight fighter. Is he an elite middleweight? No. So for Andre to win all 12 rounds here, which he pretty much did, this was a shutout, it is impressive. But again, you're playing with your food a little bit, dude. I'd like to see you step on the gas. Let me ask you guys, did Demetrius Andre make a statement in this fight that makes you undoubtedly want to see him against Canelo and Golovkin. Do I want to see Canelo and Golovkin fight guys like Andre and Charlo more than I want to see them fight guys like Rocky Fielding and Steve Rolls? Yes, of course. Of course I do. But if a third fight between Canelo and Golovkin can be made, I'd much rather see that first before seeing them fight Charlo and Andre, right? 
Gail Falkenthal says, double-checked official attendance for Triple G Brook, 19,000 capacity crowd at O2 Arena. There you go, guys. <clears throat> so, yeah, Triple G has done big business in multiple continents, let alone in multiple time zones here in America. That's very rare. For a guy from Kazakhstan, pretty damn special. So, again, Demetrius Andrade, you're shutting out Suleki. You're doing 7,000 in attendance there in Providence, your hometown. How, what do you think Canelo would do in his hometown? What do you think Golovkin would do in his hometown? Jacobs does more in his hometown of New York, right? So what would Lemieux do in his hometown in, in Canada? Dude, you're not on that level yet. You've got to earn it. Not that I, it's guys, it's not that I don't rate Andre as a top five middleweight. I rate Charlo as a top 10 middleweight, clearly top 10, maybe on the bubble of top five. They're very good middleweights, but I, I, everyone says they're deserving of this big, big fight. I don't see that. I see that it'd be interesting to see them fight the top guys, but deserving, that sounds like entitlement to me. How many title defenses at 160 pounds do both of these guys have? I think for both Charlo and Andre, uh, last Saturday was their fourth fight at middleweight. Their fourth fight, right? They've been at middleweight. Um, Andre moved up at the end of 2016. Wow, is that right? He's already been up there for almost three years. And Charlo moved up in 2017. So uh, they've both been in the division for two, three years now. Look at the opponents they've beaten. Not very good. So, yeah, they're trying to stay busy and win against very limited opposition to line up a fight with the big dogs. But, guys, the big dogs are going to do what they want to do first. And they've earned that right. Golovkin has fought Canelo twice. He's fought Jacobs. And before that, he's fought guys like Lemieux. Uh, did he fight Murray? I'm trying to think if he fought Murray. I think so. Guys, yeah, he fought Murray. Guys at that level, Lemieux, Murray, those kind of guys, Gil, they're every bit as good as Charlo's list of opponents at middleweight or Andre's list of opponents at middleweight. In fact, they're better. They're better than most of them. So do the math on this stuff. Also on this card, Joseph Parker scores a TKO 10 win over Alex Leopai, who is 39 years old, looks about 49. And... Um, yeah, Gail's just reminding me. Sorry, guys. I'm just looking back and forth at the chat here. Gail's reminding me that uh, Golovkin dropped Martin Murray with a nasty left hook to the liver. And Martin Murray may have beat Sergio Martinez, could have been the lineal middleweight champion of the world. And she also says, you know, Golovkin set a record at MSG for merchandise sales more than any other boxer in MSG's history. That was the fight against Jacobs. $150,000 of T-shirts, hats, and all that kind of stuff. I was there. I remember that. I remember reporting about it. So that stuff matters, guys. It matters. Anyway, back to Leopai. Azier says he felt sorry for Leopai in there. I did too. Holy shit. This was only his fifth fight since 2014, and none of his fights have gone more than just a handful of rounds. Boy, can he take headshots. But for the life of me, I just wanted Parker to change levels and shoot a straight right hand right to his gut. What I mean by change levels, guys, is uh, I always talk about the clock, right? The, the 3, 9, 6, and 12 o'clock. Get your head under six o'clock, bend your knees, drop down and punch straight at the gut with the right hand to the solar plexus. Leopi would have been out of there. That's all Parker had to do, but he headhunted all night 
and um, beat the shit out of them. I don't know why the fight went 10 rounds, but um, one-sided as it could be. But you could have got him out of there if you would have did that one thing. Change levels, get down there, and throw that. I would have had him. Also on this fight, by the way, Joseph Parker, still a top 10 heavyweight. Still, he might be a top five heavyweight. Name me five heavyweights right now that you think definitively beat Joseph Parker. You know what? Okay, I could probably name five. Wilder Fury, AJ already beat him. Ruiz, he technically beat Ruiz. And then Luis Ortiz, who's like 407 years old. Maybe those guys right now beat Parker, but he's just under that level, right? Dillian White, okay, good point. Scott Scott says Dillian White. Absolutely, I'd pick Dillian White to beat him. He already did, what am I saying? Uh, Drew, Drew with the super chat. Thank you very, very much. He asked, I can't wait until the PBC guys retire, begging for paydays, act like a sides, act like A-sides, only fight twice a year. Who was Charlo fighting when Nemo fought Floyd? I think you meant Nello, as in Canelo. Who was Charlo fighting when Canelo fought Floyd? Well, there you go. Canelo was what, 22, 23 years old when he fought Floyd Mayweather, who is at the time the best fighter in the world, pound for pound. Um, Of course, we know what that was. They knew they weren't going to win that fight. That was a brand building exercise and it worked. He learned a lot about the business of boxing in that fight before they even stepped in the ring. He learned about how it's done if you're the A side and you're the diva. Okay, 23 years old against Floyd. What, has Charlo fought anybody? Of course, he hasn't fought anybody on the level of Floyd, but has he fought anybody elite yet? He has that win against Julian Williams, and Julian Williams is now a champion. That's obviously his best win, but that's it. That's it. So, again, I'm just, guys, I'm just not seeing it. I'm just not seeing uh, these guys that deserve these eight-figure paydays against the biggest brands in the sport who have sacrificed and fought the top guys. I'm not seeing that. Khalid Yafai improves to 26-0 with the unanimous decision win over Norberto Jimenez, another Dominican fighter fighting last weekend. Fifth defense of his WBA 115-pound title. The thing is, the Yafais are just not very exciting, are they? They're damn good boxers. Not the most exciting. Did Yafai set the world on fire in that performance? Did you want to see that? Eh, I don't know. Do you want to see him again? Also on this card, Mark DeLuca, fellow Paisan and fellow former Marine. Out of that New England area, beat Brandon Brewer, a Canadian fighter. Uh, 100, I think there was a 160-pound fight. But DeLuca at 154 maybe could make some noise. Imagine Jaime Munguia versus Mark DeLuca. I think that'd be fun as hell. DeLuca the Bazooka. Yeah, awesome nickname. Awesome nickname. Although, I doubt if he was in the Marines, he ever fired a bazooka. I never did. But uh, I fired a lot of other guns. It was fun to blow shit up. But yeah, man, Mark DeLuca against Jaime Munguia at 154. Give me some of that. I think that'd be fun. I think that'd be a hell of a lot of fun. All right, so that is it with the review. Let's do a quick preview guys and then we'll get into some questions those of you who have asked questions that i haven't gotten to i haven't seen them um after i'm done with the preview drop them again copy and paste them save them up so at the end of this uh section here i can get to your guys questions okay because as i'm going through my notes here i just i just can't see the chat's going so fast there's a ton of messages i just can't keep up with it 
All right. So, uh, okay, preview. And we're going to do two weeks here. This Saturday, of course, this Thursday is 4th of July, Independence Day here in America. So have fun. Celebrate the independence of your country by blowing up a small part of it with some fireworks. Have a few drinks. Have more than a few drinks. Just be safe. Don't drink and drive. If you're going to drink and drive, <laughs> don't drink and drive. <laughs> and put on, a, put on a condom, damn it. All right, guys. But anyway, it's going to be a slow week. So Saturday, July 6th, there is a card from Kazakhstan on uh, ESPN Plus featuring a WBC bantamweight fight if you want to check that out. And then that's it for this week, really. We're skipping right next to the next week. Thursday, next Thursday, July 11th, a card from Rome, Italia, picked up by DAZN. Awesome. So check that out. Friday, July 12th, Liverpool, England has a card featuring Terry Flanagan, Rocky Fielding, Martin Murray. I just talked about. Wow. And Rocky Fielding. ESPN Plus. They picked that up. So guys, if you have these apps, you get all these little cards from all over the world. Pretty damn cool. There's also a card, a showbox card from Tacoma, Washington with heavyweights, heavyweight headliner, Jermaine Franklin versus Jerry Forrest. Also, man, that next Friday's loaded. Hollywood, Florida card on Telemundo. I only see one fight on the schedule for that Telemundo card, which is kind of weird. So I don't know what's up with that. And then I don't know if this is being streamed or what's going on. Maybe you guys could tell me. But Amir Khan is supposed to fight Billy Dibb. And Huey Fury is fighting Sam Peter. Holy shit. In the boxing hotbed of Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So any of you going to that fight, um, make sure that you... (laughs) Make sure that you read up on the laws over there before you go over there. Okay. They're really strict. And if you mess up, they will cut your head off. So just be careful. Also, that same day, Friday, in Osaka, Japan, ESPN Plus, Rob Brandt going up against Ryota Murata in the rematch of their uh, middleweight title fight, which Brandt won the first one, took Murata's WBA regular title. And now they're doing a rematch over there. That should be fun, man. I want to see what the crowd and the atmosphere is going to be like over there in Osaka. I'd love to cover a card over there. I would love to just visit Japan. That would be awesome. Uh, Ken Shiro, also on that card, one of the better fighters in that part of the world, going up against Jonathan Taconing, defending his WBC junior flyweight title. So that's a ton of boxing next Friday. There's also, holy shit, There's a ton of boxing next Saturday here in the United States. We got four different freaking cards on different platforms. So, uh, well, actually, one of them is in London. So let me back up here. Let's go to that heavyweight thing over in London. This is picked up here in the States on ESPN Plus. Daniel Dubois versus Nathan Gorman. 12 rounds for the vacant British heavyweight title. That's an awesome matchup. Do not sleep on that matchup, okay? I'm telling you. Uh, both these guys can fight. I believe they fought in the amateurs. And I know they've sparred a lot. And, and Gorman swears he got the better of it back in the day. A lot of people are picking Gorman. Absolutely. I think that Dubois has the better pro style. And I'm going with Dubois. But I love that these two prospects who could go their own route and just work their way into a title shot, they're putting it on the line here and fighting each other. This is a big deal, this fight. We need to see more of this. The winner of this fight will be on a fast track, depending on how it plays out. If it's really close, really tight, maybe they do it again. Who knows? 
But I'm very interested in this one. I'll definitely be watching that live. Also, Joe Joyce versus Bryant Jennings. If Joe Joyce has anything, anything, he should beat Bryant Jennings. If Bryant Jennings is anywhere near the form he once was when he was fighting uh, Vladimir Klitschko for the heavyweight championship and all that, even though he lost that fight, right? If he's anywhere near that form, he beats Joe Joyce. So I just think Jennings is clearly the more agile, uh, more athletic fighter. Joyce is definitely the bigger, stronger guy, definitely hits harder. Jennings doesn't hit very hard. But if Jennings is in shape and motivated and, and fights smart and boxes well, he could win that fight. So that's a huge step up for Joe Joyce. I love that doubleheader by ESPN+. Plus. That is going to be a lot of fun. Also on ESPN, regular ESPN over here in the States, Newark, New Jersey, Shakur Stevenson from that part of the country going up against Franklin Manzanilla. 10 rounds featherweights. Joshua Greer going up against Nikolai Potapov. 12 rounds IBF bantamweight eliminator. Then on zone, Carson, California, Ray Vargas, one of the better little fighters in the world, going up against Tomoki Kameda defending his WBC junior featherweight title. I think that's a really, really great, uh, fun fight, good matchup. You get a Mexican guy and a Japanese guy, especially in Southern California, it usually spells fireworks. It usually, I'm telling you, usually that ends up being fun. Also, Diego De La Hoya going up against Ronnie Rios, 12 rounds junior featherweights. That should be fun. That's going to be a fun atmosphere there. That's like one of those fights in Carson at the, what the hell is it called now? Dignity Health Sports Complex. I still think it's StubHub. Hell, I still think it's Home Depot Center. But um, those midsummer cards there, if it's done right, they're fun, man. If you got any of you watching this in the LA area, and I know a bunch of you are, go check that out, man. That's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. And then in Minneapolis, PBC on Fox Sports 1, Jamal James going up against Antonio DeMarco, 10 rounds welterweights, and Robert Hellanius. Holy shit, do you remember him? I guess he's still fighting. Going up against Gerald Washington, 10 rounds heavyweights. That can be fun, or that could be really bad. <laughs> also, I think Charles Martin, the god, He's fighting on that card too. All right, so that's it with the preview, guys, for the next two weeks. And uh, I think that's at the Army uh, Armory. Uh, one of you guys was asking if that's at the Armory there in Minneapolis. I don't know off the top of my head, but I believe so. That's usually where they do those PBC cards there in Minneapolis. So I think it is. But um, I'll double-check that, and I'll put it in the comments here uh, in the YouTube video. That is it for the preview. Uh, again, I'm not doing TNC next week. But I'll probably do a rant video or something like that. You guys know I always chime in with some videos here. By the way, I did some video, a video recently. Um, of course, radio interviews, I post that stuff on here. Not all of them, but some of them. And then um, I did a video comparing DAZN, ESPN, and PBC, the three platforms. Just value, bang for the buck. Um, Prime TV says, okay, okay, Charles Martin's fighting. Now I will tune in. Exactly. Um, Gail chimes in and says, yes, that card is at the Armory. Gail with dropping all the information today, man. I, got, I, got a, uh, I need to super chat Gail. <laughs> Thank you very much, Gail. I appreciate it. But um, yeah, so um, check out that video, okay? And let me know what you guys thought about that. Comparing the three different boxing platforms, who's giving you the most bang for your buck? And um, 
I'm going to continue that. Would you like to see it at the end of the third quarter or should I wait till the end of the year? So Gail Falkenthal says, I'm the unofficial researcher for MOB. Hey, I'll take it, damn it. I need all the help I can get. It's just me over here. So Gail, one of the best in the business. And look, I see a lot of these. I'm just going to go ahead and step in right now. I see a lot of these women reporters doing interviews and stuff like that and all these boxing shows. And I think to myself, that should be Gail Falkenthal. Gail should be doing commentary, analyst work on PBC on Fox and all these. It should be Gail. It shouldn't be some of these other. I'm just going to stop right there. Just going to stop right there. John Uden with the Super Chat Pledge. Thank you so much, brother. He asked, how does Rob Brandt stack up with the rest of the middleweight division in your opinion? You know, that's a really good question. And um, I'm going to pull this up right now here as I'm talking to you guys. Because I think the Ring Magazine middleweight ratings would surprise a lot of you. I'm going to pull it up right now just to make sure because I don't want to misquote. Because I've... I always misquote things every week on the show because it's just me here. Uh, Come on, computer. Hurry up. Middleweight ratings. Okay, right now, this is as of June 22nd. We've got Canelo as the ring champion. We've got Golovkin number one, Jacobs number two. I don't think anyone would argue that. Do you know who we have number three right now? Mr. Rob Brandt. That's who we rate number three. Ahead of Andre at number four and Charlo at number five. And then we have Derevyanchenko, Lemieux, Selecki, and um, Kamil Szermeda out of Poland, another Polish fighter who I'm not that high on because he does, doesn't have any power. And then Ryota Morata, who I think should probably be rated a little bit higher. But what do you guys think about those middleweight ratings right now at Ring Mag? Rob Brandt, is he the third best in the world right now at, at middleweight? Well, technically fourth best because Canelo's the champ. Do you rate him above Andre and Charlo? Here's why we do. Here's why we do. His win over Ryota Murata is better than any win Andre and Charlo have. That's why. That's why we have him up there. So, uh, yeah, that's where I pretty much feel he rates, John. And let's see how he looks in Japan against Murata in the rematch. Can he win again decisively? Can Murata turn the tide and can he win the rematch? I think that'll be interesting. If Brandt struggles or loses, then us rating him number three in the world will look really, really bad. But if he beats Murata again in Osaka, Japan, I think you got to say, yeah, he's right up there. Number three, number four in the world in the middleweight division. Rockstar1996... um, says great video Mike deserve, deserves a sequel video and I think he's talk I think you're talking about my uh, video comparing all the boxing networks to each other so uh, good I will absolutely do that again at the end of the year again if you guys would like to see at the end of the third quarter I can do another one at the end of the third quarter by the way now that I did that video it hasn't caught on yet it will it'll get on someone's list or something at some point and then it will catch on. I had several videos like that. I did a video about the sanctioning organizations, the history of the sanctioning organizations like three years ago. And when I first put it out, it only got like a thousand hits. But it has since been picked up. And I know one of the organizations actually forwarded it around to their staff. I won't say which one, but it's the one I I, I beat up on them a lot. Um, And it got on some, some playlists and stuff. And now that thing has got tons of views. And I think that's going to be the same thing with that 
uh, platform comparison video that I did. I think that's going to pick up more in the coming months and maybe toward the end of the year. It's only got like a thousand views right now. But I would not surprise me if you start seeing other channels do a similar video. <clears throat> Selun Mooney asks, how does one find out how many subscribers the zone has? Uh, easy. Work at the zone. They're not telling anybody any of that shit. And the reason why they're not is because it's not good right now. But once it is uh, positive news and they're making a lot of money, then they'll release that information. Let's see. Carlos Cabrera says Brant versus Charlo would be good. Yeah, it would. It would be good. Uh, I would. I'd love to see. I'd love to see that second tier. Those guys that aren't quite up there yet with Canelo and Golovkin. They're just not as proven. They might be just as good as them. Who knows? Maybe Demetrius Andre is better than Canelo, Golovkin, all of them. We don't know yet. But I'm just saying that the, the guys right under that tier, Charlo, Brandt, Murata, um, Andre, just all of them. They should all fight each other. They all fight each other. We'll find out who's real and who's not. Bunch of you guys asking about Tiffany's opinion on here. <laughs> Tiffany is actually, I can hear her through the door over here. She's doing laundry right now. She's folding laundry. That's where she is. Sian uh, asks, are you working in Atlanta or just working on the house? So uh, continuing to work on the house, I was not working for a while. I was laid off of my day job. Guys, everyone in boxing has a day job. Like 99% of boxing, not just boxing media, but boxing officials. Guys that like work, not just for the networks, but guys that work for the commissions. I'm talking refs, judges, ring counter, ring dinger people, ring doctors, all have side jobs. All because you just do not make enough money in boxing. It's a one percenter business. Anyway, I just started with a new job out here two weeks ago, literally two weeks ago today. Money was getting really tight. Things were looking real bad for a while and it put a delay on a lot of my home renovations. It took me longer than I thought it would to find a job out here, but I finally did. I feel much, much better. Uh, Let's see, what else we got? What else we got? Mr. Wayno says, Kendall Smith versus BGS Unification next. Smith just confirmed he got the offer to fight him. Good fight. Again, I love that fight. If that happens, sign me up. However, if it involves Billy Joe Saunders, I'm not believing it till the damn first bell rings. Just how it is, man. I just don't buy anything that dude is saying. Saloon Mooney says, DAZN <clears throat> claims they have 4 million subscribers. Look, maybe globally, that's another thing about DAZN. They can kind of pull little tricks like that. Uh, globally, yeah, maybe they do because they're in, what, 13 markets or some shit? They're in a, many different countries. But there's no way they have... Do they have 100,000 subscribers in the United States yet? I don't know. I don't know. But once they get to a point where they're doing numbers in the USA that justify the money they're paying some of these fighters, believe me, they'll, they'll release that information. They'll let people know. Until they start doing that, that means they're not making money. But because they're backed by billionaires and they're in other countries where they are profitable 
it subsidizes the American platform. That's the genius of the zone. And that's why when people compare it to some of the other, uh, like what PBC tried to do a few years back, that's a stupid comparison. It's apples and oranges. It doesn't make any sense and it's ignorant. George Zakhar with the super chat. Thank you very much. He asked, who wins between a prime Tyson and a prime Tua? Give me a prime Tyson all day on that. Uh, would be fun, fun fight. Okay, very, very fun fight. But um, I just think that similar body size, similar explosiveness. But when you look at skills, all right, separate the body type, the power, the strength. Look at skills. Tyson had better skills, particularly defensive skills. And that is why I think uh, Tyson, Mike Tyson would beat David Tua. It'd be fun as hell, though. That'd be a hell of a fun fight. Sienna asks, what's my new job? Um, so I work at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. I'm a technical consultant. How about that? They shouldn't call me that. Basically, I do reporting work. I do reporting work, okay? Um, for a guy who has a shitty public school education and didn't go to college, um, I've learned... Well, I, I took myself to Los Angeles City College when I lived in LA, took some classes and learned about database development, uh, Excel, Microsoft Access, um, SQL, Oracle, that kind of stuff. So I'm pretty good at reporting and doing things like that. So that's what they hired me to do. Ernie Wiles with the Super Chat. Just chipping in with Super Chat Pledge. Thank you. I appreciate that so much, Ernie. That's awesome, man. Thank you very much. Brad Williams asks, is this the best year for Mexico ever in boxing? Whoa. Guys, are you hearing me? It looks like my screen just went out. All right. Guys, I don't know if you can hear me or not, but um, Joel, if you're seeing this, yeah, screen down, voice good. All right, guys, um, obviously my phone's overheated or something. I have an old iPhone and I think it just gave up. So um, I'm going to drop off here in a second. But I just wanted to say, Brad, this is not the best year for Mexico ever in boxing. Mexico has a storied, wonderful history in boxing. And it is certainly up there. It's absolutely up there. But I mean, Mexico's killing it right now. But um, I, I can't say this is the best year ever. No. I also want to say thank you to Joel O for a super chat pledge. And he asked, Mike, you are from Detroit, as am I. So I have to know, how the hell do you live in LA with all those crazy far left weirdos. <laughs> uh, uh, Joel, that's uh, hilarious. Well, I could do a whole rant video on that. So guys, um, before I drop off here, Scoffscad says uh, PBC hackers. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, to, to set the record straight here, I am, I, I consider myself on the left. I'm a moderate liberal, um, classical liberal. You know, I, but yeah, I mean, L.A., so, some of the politics there are very extreme. Um, so I, I don't deal with either extreme, whether you're extreme left or extreme right. I try to chop it up down the middle if I can. But uh, there are a lot of crazy, crazy people in Los Angeles for sure. But um, both sides kind of have their own enclaves. But I will say right now, uh, look, I work in media. I've dabbled in the entertainment industry. I use uh, social media tech all the time. Um, those entities are controlled by the far left, right? I guess the, the moderate left now has become the far left. Uh, Joel Ohl says, I'm a classical liberal too, but those people are crazy. Yes, 
I completely concur. Um, yeah, I, some of those guys have just kind of gone off the freaking rails. And it's, it's, what's crazy is defending my liberal principles has become a conservative position in modern media, which is crazy to me. It's crazy. Um, Carlos Cabrera with the Super Chat pledge. As I have a broken purple screen here, I love it. Carlos, thank you so much. He says, uh, first time on your show, good content, 100%. Dougie referred. Awesome. My man, Doug Fisher referred us. Uh, Yo, Carlos, thank you. Tune in every week, brother. Please do. And thank you very much. Guys, uh, yeah, so my phone is dying out here. That's why the screen's crazy. So I need to drop off. But um, yeah, happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. Be safe. Have fun. Uh, I'll check in back on the channel. We'll do some uh, live videos maybe or uh, a rant video or something. But TNC is out for two weeks. So we'll be back with TNC uh, 179 two weeks from tonight. All right? Thank you so much for tuning in, guys, and dealing with the crazy screen. The survive says DMT screen. Indeed. All right, guys. I'm out. See you at the fights.